and welcome to the Common Good Podcast, the podcast that showcases the very best of Glasgow Caledonian University and how the institution, its staff and its research benefits people and communities, both at home and overseas. My name is Craig Telfer and today I am joined by Dr Christine Hazelton, a research fellow in the Nursing, Midwifery and Allied Health Professions Research Unit at GCU talk about her research into improving the lives of people who suffer from vision problems after a stroke. Christine, thank you very much for joining me on today's show. Thank you very much, it's lovely to speak to you. No, Christine, we are absolutely delighted to have you on the show. And before we go and look at your specific field of research that you've uh, just received a grant from the Stroke Association to examine, can we talk a wee bit about your background first? Um, tell us about how you got to the position you're in just now. Yeah, um, well, it all comes kind of from my clinical background. I'm an optometrist or, or an optician. I trained at University of Ulster and then worked clinically for about mm-hmm. 10 years and my interest in stroke kind of came from there because I was seeing patients all the time just will see stroke patients Um, and what I was finding was that people would come in to me with with specific difficulties sometimes would be driving sometimes would be reading and a range of other things and I actually felt that there was very little that I could do for them Um, Mm. I didn't feel there were very many treatments that I could offer them. I, I wasn't totally sure who I could refer them to or even what websites to direct them to, anything like that. And you could see these people leaving with no answers that they possibly mm-hmm. come in with questions about. And professionally, that was kind of quite frustrating. Um, so I saw the, uh, an advert in a, an optometry magazine about um, <laughs> research. Yeah, it was, it was just a coincidence of that, but research into stroke and visual impairment. And the questions in this advert were all of the kind of questions I had in my head from working with patients. And I thought, well, not apply, not apply. And then I did apply. And um, <laughs> And that was 10 years ago. And so started off as a very junior researcher and then did my PhD. It was funded by Stroke Association um, and then got my research fellowship um, from GCU. And then this is me kind of taking the next step. How do you find the move from the industry into academia? I found it really enjoyable. I like the diversity and I loved, I love working in this kind of multidisciplinary environment, optometry. Um, it's quite a solitary profession. You tend to work in your own clinic and you have your own clinical caseload. And I, um, and I liked coming into this environment where there was lots of discussion and lots of tackling of new issues in a way that was kind of new to me, um, but very collaborative and just a great environment. In 2017, Christine, you won a Magnuson Award at the university to study in the United States. Can you tell me about that? Yes. So I was lucky enough in 2017 to get a a travel award from Magnuson that allowed me to uh, travel to the US, um, to New York and also to Birmingham and Alabama. Um, I did a number of activities there. Um, First of all was to attend a really specialist conference about neurological visual impairment. And that's something you you don't really get in the UK or in Europe. Um, I was then able to spend some time with uh, College of Optometry in New York City itself, if you know New York, the, the very famous library with the lions, it was just behind that, it was in this amazing location, but they have very specialist knowledge about um, neurological visual impairment and I spent two weeks with them, um, observing the clinics and, and working with the researchers, and then I went down to uh, Birmingham in Alabama, as I said, University of um, Alabama, they 
have an, or, sorry, an occupational therapy department that specializes in visual impairment. So that was a different perspective. Um, and it was, again, spending time with the researchers and the clinicians there to learn about what they are doing. And that allowed me both to learn, but also to develop these new networks and new collaborations with people there. Brilliant. It sounds like you learned a lot from your time in the United States. What are the big differences between academia over there to academia in the UK? Are there any differences? Not that I was aware of. I don't think I spent enough time and I, I was there kind of as an observer, not really as, a, as participating in research. So mm -hmm. I think it didn't give me a good chance to understand the kind of that experience. I was there more looking at the clinical services. And um, of course, you've got the differences there because of the different health system and the, the way that's paid for. So that is quite different, as you would expect. So we know a wee bit about you, Christine, and we know a wee bit about your background, but tell us, what are the links between stroke and eyesight problems? Yeah, well, eyesight com problems are quite common after a stroke. Um, a study I did with my colleague, Dr. Ali, found that at least 50% of people immediately after a stroke will have a vision problem. Right. And at the three-month stage, um, that'll still be one-fifth of people have vision problems. They are a range of problems and they're not, they're not the kind of thing you would imagine. So I think when most people think of visual impairment, you think of not being able to read down the letter chart in the opticians. And actually in stroke, that's usually not affected at all. That's normally absolutely fine. Okay. But it's other things, yeah. Um, so one of the ones that I'm most interested in is visual fade loss. Um, so that's when you can't see one half of space. Um, so if somebody has a right brain stroke, um, they'll often then not be able to see the whole of the left-hand side of space, and that's in both eyes. Right. Um, that can have a huge impact on, on your ability to just navigate in the world. You have problems with moving your eyes properly. You can have problems um, with paying attention to one side of space. That's called visual neglect. And then one that we are, I'm becoming more aware of um, through the, the specialist clinic that we run down in vision sciences is that there's these other more subtle effects that we're seeing coming through. Um, so we have things like um, light sensitivity, that's really common in people. Um, people have difficulties with feeling overwhelmed by their okay. vision, that there's too much going on. And we also are finding that people are quite sensitive to motion. So if for example, if they're in the car and there are cars coming past them, they find it really, really troubling and really difficult to, to cope with. I see what you mean when you said that about the problems of trying to diagnose this when you were working as an optometrist. If yeah. people are able to read the charts, for instance, no problem, then that must have been quite frustrating to try to get to the bottom of what their problem was if, if you couldn't explain it. Yeah, well, I think there's lots of tests that we can do to assess for that. So as an optom, you, we have tests for visual field that we would do on, on most people. You've got tests for eye movement problems. So um, you would rule out some things, but then you also are able to... Um, to determine when other things are going wrong. Um, what we're starting to do also in the clinic is to work with psychology, because in some of these areas, you're moving into more at the realm of um, clinical visual psychology. And so that's a, a really interesting connection to try and build on in the future. So we are understanding these problems better and we are using the right tests to, to assess them and diagnose them. What are the existing care pathways that currently exist for stroke survivors? Yeah, that's a really important question because I think in the past there's there's been really 
there's been quite poor care pathways in place. So it's about joining up the services between stroke care and vision care. They often exist in two, two different worlds. Um, so I think the first point is about getting assessment when somebody's on the ward. Um, and we're increasingly seeing um, specialists from the eye clinics coming up onto the wards and making sure people are assessed for their, their vision problems and they can have that followed up. Because a lot of people will have a vision problem immediately after their stroke, mm -hmm. but there's also there's a, a lot of natural recovery that happens. So you might see them a month later and actually their vision has returned to normal. So that's really important to follow up on and find out actually have things just recovered naturally or is there still a problem that's there that needs to, um, to get some help for. Once people are out in the community, there's lots of different ways you can get help, lots of different care pathways. I think one of the most important ones is from occupational therapy. Those are often the people who provide rehabilitation for vision problems. But there's also vision charities like the RNIB. And there's one that I work with a lot here in Glasgow, which is Visibility. And so they have professionals who are low vision rehabilitation specialists. That's what they do. That's what they specialize in. And they can provide really tailored um, support for people with vision problems after a stroke. How important is it that academics work alongside charities to build better lives for, for people who have uh, got eyesight problems after a stroke? Oh, it's really important. And I think that's um, why I'm so pleased to be working with the Stroke <laughs> Association and for them to fund me. Um, I think a lot of it is about it's joining up the information and the support that those charities give with the research and the evidence that comes through from the work that we do as, as academics. And I'd say there's, a, there's actually a third point to that triangle is then joining it up with the NHS. So we've got everybody kind of working together um, to, to improve services. You've touched on it there, Christine, but you've recently received funding from the Stroke Association for five years. You're the 15th recipient of the award. How does it feel to receive that award from the Stroke Association? It's, it's brilliant. Um, I've had a connection with the Stroke Association from when I started as a, a research assistant with the Stroke Association in Scotland. And, and then this is now from the Stroke Association at a UK level. Um, it's a real vote of confidence in the work that I've done and the work that I plan to do for the next five years. They're an amazing organisation. We recently had a, a teleconference where they brought together all of the researchers mainly to discuss just kind of the impact of COVID on, on their research. But it was great to see the diversity of research that they're doing and these really experienced researchers. And it's great to be joining that team and to have the support that they will provide throughout the five years of the lectureship. So tell me, what are the next five years going to be looking like for you? Oh, good question. Um, <laughs> I had a plan um, as part of the application process, you put in your five year plan of work. But of course, with COVID, that will have to be changed a wee yeah. bit. But the, the, the essentials are still the same. I've got these two work streams that I plan to work on. The first one is about looking at treatments, um, or we would call them interventions, trying to develop interventions um, that address some of the, the most common problems that we see um, after stroke in relation to vision, and then trying to get the evidence to show if they are effective. But also what's really important is, are they also deliverable within the NHS? Are they usable? Are they feasible for a, an occupation therapist working with stroke survivors every day to actually use? That's a really important one. The other one then is about improving services. So that's working with the vision science department and um, trying to um, improve the training that the optometrists receive in this area, but also working then with occupational therapists. Um, and that will be along with NHS Lanark as well, Lanarkshire. It sounds like you're really excited to get the project underway. Yes, very much so. Um, plan to start in October. Um, and the first phase of that will just be kind of um, 
speaking to all of my kind of collaborators, the people I plan to work with, seeing how to adjust my plans um, in response to COVID. And then, yeah, getting started on the research, um, on the studies, on, on getting new, new PhDs in place, on, on working with um, the clinicians and collaborators. Yeah, it's going to be great. Some have always wondered about funding. When you yeah. get the money in, how is it spent? Oh, well, this is, um, it's a lectureship, so it's kind of a personal funding. So this okay. primarily is to fund my time. Right. Um, but part of then what I plan to do in my five years is to bring in more funding. So this is a personal fellowship, but I will then look for project funds to, to fund different studies within my project, be that as a PhD stipend or maybe plan for more funding for a particular kind of um, bigger project to look into a, a particular treatment and if it's effective. I've always wondered that when somebody says they've got £30,000 worth of funding, I've always wondered, how's that money spent? So thank you very much, Christine, for uh, explaining that. It's early days, very early days with your project, but what kind of things do you think you'll discover over the five years? Oh, it's, I think at this stage, very much what you hope to discover. <laughs> um, it's, it's, well, as I was saying, there's these two work streams. So in the yeah. first one, it's about treatments. And I think in this, it's about the design process. Can we design something that's really effective and, and feasible to use? And we'll be doing that by working a lot with stroke survivors themselves, letting this working kind of collaboratively with them so they can help us design what's going to be best. Um, and it'll be about getting the high quality evidence to show if that works. Hopefully it does work um, if it works and if it's feasible to use. The other side of that then is very much about improving services. Can we improve the training that we give to um, occupational therapists? Can we improve the care? So you're getting that direct effect on stroke survivors and um, direct improvement in their, their rehabilitation and direct improvement in their quality of life after a stroke. Now, the university really seems to be a hub for research into stroke, as well as your work. We've also got the Heads Up study, which is led by Maggie Lawrence, that looks at how mindfulness can help people who've experienced stroke help with their mental well-being. Why do you think GCU is such a hub for stroke research? Yeah, there's lots of, of great researchers. We've got, as you, speak, uh, as you mentioned, um, Maggie Lawrence, we've got Professor Van Wyck, uh, Professor Brady, lots of researchers working in different areas of stroke uh, rehabilitation research. From my perspective, when I, when I came in, um, it was just seeing the passion that the people had to improve the lives of stroke survivors and using just really high quality research, high quality methods to do that. And what I was made a big impression on me was the, the support that I received working at NMAP. It's a hugely collaborative, hugely supportive place. So they, they support you and give you the encouragement and the advice and the knowledge. They're quite happy to share their knowledge and experience to help you develop. I think that's maybe one of the reasons why we've just developed such a strong um, profile in this area. Christine, that was brilliant to talk to you. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much, Craig. It was great to be able to speak about the funding and the work that I'm going to do over the next five years. And I look forward to seeing you in 2025 to ask you how the results came on. That's a bit scary. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I'd also like to thank everyone for listening to today's episode and I hope you'll join us again soon when we'll be talking to another member of staff from Glasgow Caledonian University. In the meantime, please subscribe to this podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you're listening to us from and make sure you give us a five-star rating while you're at it. Until then, I've been Craig Telfer and this has been the Common Good Podcast.